Good morning and welcome to Driving Theology. This is Mike. It is uh, early in July. It's the day before July 4th. It's July 3rd here in Japan. The state's still July 2nd, I suppose. And uh, yeah, I've been back to Japan now a little over... over 10 days um, after having traveled to two different time zones. It's been a little bit crazy. sure what kind of a rehearsal I was going into. It was supposedly supposed to be a musical rehearsal, so I thought we'd go in with just a maestro and, and then, you know, go through the music and get his notes and, and you know, kind of get his uh, idea of the way he wants to interpret it, blah, blah, blah. But instead it was a blocking rehearsal, so the director was there, and so we pretty much needed to be memorized uh, so that we could go through the blocking uh, with uh, the director as he gave us the, uh, the movement, right? Cross left, cross right, upstage, downstage, do this, do that. So it turned out to be a, a blocking rehearsal to where we were able to block pretty much the all of my parts we blocked. Uh, and I'm in two different acts, three different, well, really kind of four different scenes. Four scenes, two in the three in the second act, and one in the third act. Um, so it was just the the three leads, the soprano, tenor, and me, and uh, we 
got all the blocking done, but I, I, I was un- underprepared. I, I was not memorized. I was not off book, as they say. And uh, and the other two singers are uh, probably have done the roles many more times than I have. They seem very, uh, very much to be, you know, on top of the music and everything. Anyway, I got better as the rehearsal went on, but I was really nervous in the beginning. Uh, not to mention I had to drive for a couple hours to Tokyo to the rehearsal. And then, yeah, so it wasn't, wasn't my best moment. I think it ended all right. And, and the, everybody was very patient and, and, and uh, you know, very patient with me. And I think it turned out okay. Um, not to mention there's a bit of a language barrier some of the nuances of what the director says I may not pick up in Japanese I, I do my best but not as bad as it used to be for sure 23 years ago <laughs> um, anyway so that's probably the thing the biggest thing on my mind right now is, is showing up at this next rehearsal completely prepared and off book and ready to rock and roll and, and hopefully my voice will be in much better shape, and, uh, yeah, that's my intention, that's my hope, um, but here it's been since Sunday, so this is the third day since that rehearsal, and I really haven't been able to do a whole lot. Of course, doing that rehearsal cold with as much singing as we had to do, my voice was pretty tired, um, and, uh, maybe coming down with a little bit of a cold now, so I kind of need to rest it, but then I need to as soon as it gets better, I need to start conditioning it, uh, just as an athlete would. Your, your voice uh, is operated by muscles, and, and the stamina of your voice will be determined by how uh, efficient your technique is uh, and how strong your muscles are, right? Um, and we're talking about all kinds of different muscles that manipulate your uh, breathing as well as your uh, your sound producing organs uh, in such a way that produce a powerful sound uh, and a sound that's consistent uh, it's really all muscles now if, if to get the sound on pitch or whatever that that requires you know what people call the ear you have to have an ear for it talent involved, obviously, in music. Um, I don't think anybody would ever deny that. I think the question always comes up, though, can talent be uh, taught? Can you, can you, by changing someone's environment, is it possible to make someone, somebody who seems to be tone deaf uh, to make them a better singer? So is it nature or nurture? Again, this is the, the old old argument that comes up in, in, in uh, the arts. Um, well, not, not only the arts. I mean, we're talking about everything from uh, crime and you know, criminals, criminality, uh, and, and all kinds of stuff like that. You know, are people born this way, or are they made, right? Are they made by their environment to be this way? Uh, and that's that's been a age-old... Uh, argument. And to tell you the truth, I, I'm not sure which side I land on. 
Um, part of it's because I have seen people get better. I've seen I've seen people who were what I would call tone deaf actually improve just through effort and time. Um, and who's to say that there might not be um, a switch somewhere that, that as soon as you know how to flip it uh, might change everything. A lot of, a lot of times we call these, these switches that get flipped and make a big change, we call those breakthroughs, right? You have a breakthrough in your technique or, or you know, whatever. Whatever you're learning, you can have breakthroughs, right? Yesterday, it, it, I was not able to do this, but suddenly, because I now understand this, I now, it has opened up a whole new uh, realm of possibilities uh, into which I can live, you know, or, or move, or whatever, depending on what you're what you're talking about. Breakthroughs, uh, breakthroughs are important things. I remember having them when I was in voice classes, voice lessons in college, and uh, you know the teacher is trying to get you to to get from point A to point B, or let's say uh, from point from point A uh, to point C. Um, but you have to go through point B, and he's getting you to recognize it and be able to do whatever point B requires so that you can get to point C. Um, yeah, these are, this is kind of the idea of the breakthrough, you know. Um, everybody has them, I think, as long as you have been trying to hone some kind of a technique uh, in some kind of a discipline over time, right? You've been trying to improve uh, and you've been at it, and, and especially I think if you have um, teachers or coaches or or people who are beyond you helping you navigate those things, you, you tend to have breakthroughs by help instead of by accident. Now sometimes you do have them by accident, um, but I think the ones that come uh, through intentional um, tutelage are are the ones that uh, tend to last because if, if something happens by chance it's very difficult to recreate because you don't know why you got to where you got and it's difficult to recreate that again um and here again, you know, we're talking about the, the importance of relationships and uh, how relationships with people, especially mentors, is kind of where we're at now, will help us go forward in whatever we do. I'm sorry, I got some trash that's making way too much noise back here. trash bag, but it's kind of shifting. Um, yeah, so, man, I need a breakthrough. I'm old. Uh, last time I sang this role, I was somewhere around 27 or 28, 
and now I'm 50. Interestingly enough, the, the character's age that I'm playing is probably between 50 and 60. And so now I'm kind of the age uh, to play him and yet not maybe in, in as good a uh, shape to, to play him. So uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. Um, <clears throat> so how, you know, how does this idea of, of breakthroughs and discipline Trying to get better at something. How does that? How does that work out spiritually? Um, have you had spiritual breakthroughs? Have you had times when you thought that perhaps you knew all there was to be known, and you kind of became stagnant in your faith? You were not challenged, or or whatever. You felt like you were not moving in your faith, or maybe you got bored. think that's impossible but then all of a sudden something gives way right uh, something that seemed immovable and sure gives way and opens up an entire new realm of possibilities uh, this has happened to me um, many times um, and probably many other times spiritually that I, I'm not even aware of that I didn't realize was maybe a breakthrough because maybe it went what I perceived as the opposite direction of, of, of good spiritual knowledge or practice uh, but maybe it was just what I, was, I needed <clears throat> Paul talks about how transformation comes by a renewing of the mind, right? He says, don't, don't conform to this world. Don't be conformed to the way that the world works. And I think defining the way the world works is, is a worthy cause, right? What, is, what does he mean by being conformed to the world? What is the way of the world? Uh, <clears throat> probably... The easiest, the easiest thing to point to, the most concise way to define the way of the world would probably be selfishness, right? Taking care of yourself, self-preservation, um, using using everything else in the world to promote yourself or to to help you progress, and that self-preservation becomes the number one priority of your life. And I think if we were to look at the world, and even animals, I think that's nature, right? That, that the instinct to preserve your life, right? And to preserve uh, your family, because in a way you're preserving your life for posterity. Uh, not in a way, I guess you're doing that exactly. Uh, selfishness becomes the way that the world operates and works, right? And so if you play into this, uh, and, and selfishness, it's not, it, it can be, it can be uh, 
communal selfishness as well. It, it can be across an entire uh, family or it, it can be across a tribe or even a race of people where you think the preservation of your, your people uh, is uh, important over and above uh, other people's rights for self-preservation. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I think I'm coming out with a bit of a cold. So, <clears throat> the way of the world seems to be that, right? Preservation of self. Uh, and then, you know, if, if, if I'm pretty secure in where I'm at or who I am or, or what I have, then perhaps I can, you know, help somebody else. But, but the way of the world is certainly self-preservation, I would say. Well, let's take away the certainly, certainty. It's selfishness, right? Self-preservation. And so when Paul says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, uh, he's saying you need to change your way to the way of Jesus. Right? The way of Jesus is different. It's not self-preservation. It's, it's other-centered, right? The way of Jesus is, is sa- self-sacrifice, right? Selflessness. Uh, and for us to be transformed, uh, we need to find the way of Jesus, the way of selflessness, right? So maybe perhaps that's a that's a breakthrough that that you are waiting for that that realization that that hey the the way to live in this world like Jesus is the way not of selfishness not of self preservation uh, but the way of loving your neighbor as yourself right the way of of self sacrifice way of laying down your life for your friends. Um, Now here's the question. Does the the transformation cause you to suddenly live like that or does living like that cause transformation? (laughs) Which came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Um, It's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to figure that out. Uh, which way? Do, which way does that go? You know. And probably the, the the truest answer is it's not either or, right? It's it's both and. Um, it's a little give, a little take. You know, two steps forward, one step back, uh, kind of action. That that progress is not necessarily going to be. Um, you know, full-on forward, uh, no looking back progress, but it actually might be, uh, something more like, uh, it's difficult to perceive, but it's happening, progress, (coughs) or something like that.
sorry. This coffee's really good. Feels good in my throat. <clears throat> Give me one second. So whether you're seeking a breakthrough in, uh, you know, athletics, maybe you're, you're trying to improve your, your uh, 10K time, your marathon time, uh, whether you're trying to, um, like me, uh, be able to do, be able to sing better, more stamina with uh, uh, more power or more beauty, uh, whether you're trying to um, do something else, more like self-discipline, whether you're trying to, to get in shape or lose weight, right, that, that's more like just disciplining yourself to be better with food, you know, or, or to be more um, diligent with your exercise schedule. Those both apply to me, by the way. <laughs> um, whatever it is, it generally happens in breakthroughs. It's not usually just this, this little by little incremental progress, at least maybe not at my age. I, I don't know. But the same can be said, I think, for your spiritual, dare I say it, strength, right? Or let's say your spiritual effectiveness. Um, you tend to hit walls. You, you tend to come up against obstacles and barriers. And you, you camp there for a bit. And then, and then you, you wait for the time when that gives way. And you are able to step into the next uh, manifestation of your spiritual life, right? How, how uh, for, for me, some of these transitions have been huge, uh, big barriers that I came up against uh, that came down. And usually they are my preconceived notions of, number one, who God is or the nature of the Bible. And when, when I'm able to loosen my grip on what I think is true and be open to um, other ideas, uh, probably, yeah, now thinking about it, spiritually speaking, one of the things that I think causes breakthroughs is humility. I think being humble about what you think you know uh, and being open to how God may be revealing himself to you in a new way, in a different way, in a way that you have not yet uh, conceived of. Um, I think being sure about what you know, what you think you know, uh, is a good way to, to not achieve breakthroughs. And unfortunately, it seems to me that many of the people who do not achieve breakthroughs are people who are in the clergy, uh, because they they feel like to to be able to grow into what they know means that they have to admit that what they thought they knew before is false. And and it's it's true enough. I mean, I, I could see that being a problem where one man. Uh, or what? Sorry, where, where one week 
you say to your uh, to your parish or your congregation or whatever that the Bible says that I believe it that the Bible is infallible infallible and inerrant and completely true and everything the Bible says is true and is is to be obeyed and then the next week you come in and say well actually um, may not be as cut and dry as that uh, now now I think that uh, only the words of Jesus are to be obeyed completely and the rest is going to be uh, you know looked at a little differently and then the next week you come in and say well actually uh, we need the Holy Spirit uh, to help guide us into all truth uh, and that you can't necessarily trust the words of the Bible to reveal absolute truth you also need the Holy Spirit uh, in your heart to guide you through that uh, and so if you are progressing in your theology but you are supposed to be the guy with all the answers up in front of a congregation um, you tend to double down and that's that's just <laughs> we've kind of come full circle that's just self-preservation right because you know that that if you are perceived as not knowing what what they think you should know uh, then perhaps you're not worth the salary that they're giving you and so unfortunately I I think I've seen this time and time again that uh, clergy are not willing to second-guess themselves. They kind of double down. And in so doing, they, they don't always have a, a natural progression of theology. Um, and it's sad. It's incredibly sad. And there are some notable, notable people out there who are different, uh, who we can see their progression of theology. To a lesser or greater extent, and some of them are the writers that I I have read. <clears throat> Brian Zond is one of them. Brian Zond is a is a good man to read, and if you read his early stuff to his late stuff, you might you might perceive a difference in the way he looks and thinks about things. Uh, and I think he would be the first to admit that and and be glad of it. Uh, another one who may have some progression in what he writes uh, would be oh, his name, Wayne Jacobson. Uh, and I even like his early stuff. Uh, but even he will admit that the things he once believed um, have changed, right? Uh, and he, yeah, his, his theology has Rest, who he thought uh, Jesus was, uh, he now has a better picture, and his writing reflects that. Uh, now, the interesting thing about these two guys I mentioned, Brian Zond and Wayne Jacobson, is that they are or were both preachers. Uh, Wayne Jacobson left preaching. He, he left that way of life, and he left institutional church, and the greater part of his theological 
progression happened after he walked out and he was a pastor at the time uh, Brian Zond uh, he decided to, to go through his transformation in the pulpit he, he brought the people with him he, he let them in on what was going on with him uh, and I'm sure he lost many many members because of it uh, and yet he continues uh, on preaching and doing what he's doing uh, and he's not felt the need to double down but to allow uh, the progression that he is going through um, to be witnessed by and hopefully joined by the church that he oversees um, I've seen some progressions uh, some sorry progression theological progression and um, Francis Chan I've seen some in uh, Frank Viola uh, probably some what's the other guy I was thinking of well um, I'm sure we've seen yeah actually yeah this is complete truth uh, Greg Boyd you see a lot of progression in him and I'm not I haven't read his his books before um, but just the talk of him having also gone through this in the pulpit um, shows me that what he thought before and what he does after but he he's also stayed with uh, traditional church uh, and then the uh, Saddleback Church guy uh, Rick Warren I've seen evidence of, of progression in his theology as well. He seems very, very open about that. Uh, but there are some that I don't see any progression at all who, who have doubled down uh, and who, no matter how old they are or how long they've been uh, leading congregations, um, they... They almost, you know, refuse to be moved, um, and they see that as their um, what you would call it their their mission not to be moved, not to progress. That their and I don't mean progressive theology. I mean that their theology changes. That their their understanding of who God is grows. Right? I'm not saying that they become progressive or liberal. That's not the kind of progressive I'm talking about. Um, but I think once you realize that there is a progression of theology in the Bible, I think you realize, well, of course, then there must be progression of theology in us. And how could it ever stop? Is God so small that we could know him in a lifetime? say no, but I think I think God is so big that, that we'll probably never know him completely in this lifetime, but we should know him better and better. Why not? Right? Why not know him better and better? What, what do we have to lose in that? Um, I'm sure I've gotten way off the subject and I'm about to be at my... Uh, my job here, but I got a few minutes. I'm kind of early today. It's rare. 
Um, so, you know, this idea that you have to have it all together, no matter what it is, you know, that you have nowhere else to grow, uh, no, no way to get better, that, that you are at your pinnacle, I think is a sure way that you will start regressing in no matter what you do. If you think you've made it, be assured that you have reversed. That's how I'd say that, I guess. Um, so just to recap a bit, um, uh, no matter what you're doing, breakthroughs are a healthy thing. Whether it's something physical, something mental, something spiritual. Um, breakthroughs are times of immense joy uh, and wonder um, but if you if you don't look for the next breakthrough uh, you will become stagnant in whatever you're doing so progress progress is healthy um, yeah uh so, yeah, I think I hit on a bunch of things today and went someplace that I was totally not ready to go. Uh, but I hope it uh, was something that speaks to you. That's all I can ask you for. You guys have a great day. Bye.